The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, I'm hopping mad. No, I'm not. I can't. I can't even keep up that facade with you guys. I'm not hopping mad, but I am a little bit perturbed that I feel like one of my arguments from this year either is falling on deaf ears or has met with a ton of resistance, and I don't know exactly why. So at the front end of today's podcast, I want to talk about Rudy Gobert. And for whatever reason, I think that this season I'm kind of becoming like this weird Rudy Gobert guy, the way that I've been the Chris Paul guy the last two years as a, the third-round dude. I, even during the playoffs last year, I was watching it, as he got rolled off the floor by teams that were able to space the floor and this, you know, if they hit their three-pointers, they were going to beat the Jazz in those games. But he's not going anywhere as part of their regular season operation. He's probably not going anywhere in terms of their playoff operation. They'll just have to figure out other ways to deal with it. What I remember thinking as I watched the playoffs last year, as I watched the Jazz lose a series that they very much should have won, was... People are going to hate Rudy Gobert again. Because everybody hated Rudy Gobert. And listen, like, what he did was dumb. Remember at the very start of the pandemic, he, like, went around and he touched everybody's microphone or whatever it was? Yeah, that was stupid. But, and people decided that he was a bad dude. Nah, he did something stupid. Okay, okay, people do stupid things every once in a while. But then everybody soured on him a little bit at that point. And he and Donovan Mitchell weren't getting along, and there was all that stuff, because we needed stories to fill the pandemic layoff. And then this year, the Jazz were a success story. The whole regular season, they put together an unbelievable run in the middle of the year, where they were just rattling off wins like they were going out of the style, and Rudy was sort of quietly right in the middle of that, because they were stifling teams, and then they were hitting three-pointers on the offensive side. And I looked up at the board at the end of the regular season, and Rudy was number 21, nine cat per game and played in 71 out of 72 basketball games last year during the regular season. Honest to God, I don't even remember the one he missed. Was it the last game of the year? Did they just give him one off because the season was over and things were all locked up? I, I, I truly don't remember. Did you skip the last one? Can anybody confirm that by speaking into my ear live on air? No, I think he actually played in that one. I don't know where it was. It was probably something in the middle of the season. Regardless, he was actually pretty unbelievable this last year, fantasy-wise. He was just amazing. And yet, and like frightfully consistent also. If you look at different stretches during the year, there really was almost no random fluctuations in what he was putting together. Last 30 games, he was number 15 on a per-game basis, because he actually he shot 73% from the field over that stretch and 67% at the free-throw line over that stretch. And don't worry, I'm going to get to that in a minute, because I know that's everybody's big issue with Rudin and Gobert III. Last 50 games of the year, uh, he was also number 15. He actually got off, by all accounts, to kind of a slow start this last season, which I, honest to goodness, I don't even remember that. It's so far back, but I guess his start wasn't great uh he was he was number 65 after the first month because he was shooting 46 and a half percent at the free throw line over that stretch and that wasn't gonna hold because we know he's a bad foul shooter but we also know he's not that bad he's been incredibly consistent in a category that you actually see bounce around a little bit gobert's regular season free throw shooting since he's been and an everyday NBA player, 62-57, He's going to be between 62 and 68% at the free throw line. So when he shot 49% for a month, you knew that that was probably going to get balanced out by some stretch of weeks in there where he was shooting 68-69%, something like that. But that's not even the point I want to make. 
point I want to make about Gobert is, look, three seasons in a row now, he has been a pillar of efficiency after, at the beginning of his career, he actually kind of traded off being extremely durable and then having, like, one big injury that cost him a month and a half. It happened his first year in the league, he wasn't the everyday guy. Second year in the league, 2014, he played all 82 games. Next year, he missed 21, then 81 out of 82, then he missed 26 games the year after that. And since then, since that one, which I think was a knee thing, if I'm not mistaken, 81, missed one game, missed four games, missed one game. Missed six total over the last three regular seasons. And I know what you're thinking. Do the Jazz have anything to prove? Shouldn't they give him a a game off here and there? They could, but at the same time, I don't think that they really need to. It's not like he's a super old guy right now. He's 29. He's in his prime. I don't know that he needs a ton of rest days, but even if they give him a couple, he's not going to take a bunch of them. Because he's sort of everything that they do on the defensive side of the basketball. He's the anchor. There is hatred for Rudy Gobert for two reasons. Number one, he was not good in the playoffs last year. He wasn't. There's no way around that. Number two, he shoots free throws poorly. And I am, you guys know this about me, I loathe drafting guys who stink at the foul line. In fact, I was looking at the comments uh, I did a, a nine-cat roto mock with Josh, remember, was that last Monday or two Mondays ago, with Josh Lloyd, and some of the comments were like, this dude talks too much. And I was like, yeah, those guys are probably right. I mean, that's the life of a solo baseball play-by-play guy. You, you, your whole job is to talk too much. I don't care, man. We were, dra- we were doing a draft, two people. I was trying to talk more so he had time to set his cue. You can't go back and forth quickly or no one will know what you're drafting. Anyway. But the other point, they were in there like, how can Dan hate on Giannis so much and at the same time end up with Rudy Gobert on his basketball team? And those are the two things, the Giannis-Gobert comparison and why all the hatred is what I want to address here in our fantasy opener. Hope you guys like this, by the way. I haven't even introduced the podcast yet. We go straight into something fantasy and then you get leveled with all the other stuff. The difference between Giannis and Rudy Gobert is because one dude's going in the top five and the other dude is going between 20 and 35. That is an enormous difference because as we've said on this show before, and maybe somebody missed it, so I'll say it again, the greatest impact free throw guys in the NBA are almost exclusively drafted in the top 14. There are some good ones after that, Chris Paul, good foul shooter, drafted outside the top 15. Freddie Van Vliet, close though. I mean, he's like 16 or 17 right now, so I think you can almost call him a wash at this point. Good foul shooters drafted outside the top 15. Zach Levine, decent, but not the greatest. He's a positive impact guy there. Tobias Harris, positive impact guy. Middleton, DeRozan, Brandon Ingram, Kemba Walker, who I don't think people even think about him as a free throw guy, but he is. And that's basically it. And only one of those guys is a like legit big positive free throw guy, and that's DeMar DeRozan. He's a, I can have a substantial impact on your team. And then the other guys that I listed are all, I can have a pretty good impact on your team, but not like the guys you find in the middle of the first round. I would advise all of you guys to look at the Basketball Monster player rank page while we have this discussion because it tells the whole story. Guys with first-round value from last year, and most of these dudes are getting drafted in the first or early in the second round. In terms of their impact against the average, basically what is their their value, their p-value, in free-throw shooting... The best ones in the NBA, Dame, mid-first round. Trey, I don't think he should be going in the first, but he's often going late first, early second. Steph, top three. Beal, top 14. Embiid, top eight. Kevin Durant. Jimmy Butler, who's the probably the latest of that group, and he's now moved up to like the 16-17 spot. DeMar DeRozan, that's the only one in this group 
That's not getting drafted high. Danilo Gallinari, who I didn't scroll down far enough. He's a big-time positive free throw dude, but he's terrible in everything else. So you can pretty much write him off. Those are the guys that you get in the first round to cover the fact that through the rest of the draft, most of the guys or more of the players you're drafting are going to be negative or neutral than positive. What does that have to do with what I just said before? If you take Giannis in the first round, you've missed your chance, by all accounts, to get the huge positive free throw impact guys. That's the difference. If you take Gobert at the end of the second or the beginning of the third, let's say you have like pick 23, which also means you have pick 26. 24, yeah. And you take Gobert with one of those. It's quite conceivable that you're building on top of Steph or Harden or Dame at that point. So you have, let's say you had Steph. If you have Steph and Rudy Gobert, your team is now slightly below average in free throw shooting. Your team is like, your team is like Jalen Brown. So yeah, you'd probably be like bottom four in your league with those two guys. But guess what? If you were sitting on Jalen Brown with a higher number of attempts, you know what you can do with that? You can take one more good free throw shooter in the third or fourth round doesn't even have to be a DeRozan or a, a, I mean, it's really, he's the only big time positive guy. It could be someone you just take in the scheme of your draft, Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton. If you roll Middleton in with Jalen Brown, you're now in the top three or four in free throw shooting in your league. That's it. That's the answer. And then at that point, Everybody's like, well, you can't that then you can't take another negative free throw guy. You don't need to. Because Rudy takes care of the categories that those dudes are generally good at. You don't need uh Zion later in your draft. You don't need Christian Wood. You don't need Ben Simmons. You don't need hell, even the guys that we don't know as, as much about. You don't need Mason Plumley. You don't need Nurk even at that point. Because Gobert is getting you two and a half blocks a game and shooting almost 70% from the field. Your team just needs to be adequate in rebounding blocks and field goal percent the rest of the way, and you'll be better than middle of the pack in those, especially at the end of your building on top of Steph. Steph's a good rebounding point guard, doesn't block shots, so it doesn't help you there, but isn't a negative in field goal percent at a very high volume. So you're setting a nice firm base of 48%, throw him with Gobert, and your team is suddenly the best in the league. So again, just be average from that point on in that category. Just be average in rebounding from that point on. Why is it different to take a bad free throw guy in the second or third round as opposed to the first? That's why. If you take a bad free throw shooter in the first round, there's no one left to cover it up. If you take Giannis at, at 8 or whatever it is, your only hope of even getting back towards the midpoint is Jimmy Butler in the second, uh, Chris Paul in the third, Chris Middleton in the fourth. And at that point, let me see if I'm running the math on this properly. Minus 1.9, minus about 1. Yeah, you're, you're, you're basically a break-even free-throw shooting team. You're mid-pack. If you go great foul shooters in the third, fourth, second, third, and fourth rounds after Giannis, you have to tailor your next three picks in a row around it. It has to be. You can't miss an opportunity there because once you get past DeRozan, then they're really light on options. Whereas, again, if you take Gobert late in the second, early in the third, I mean, hell, if you take him early in the third... You could go Zach Levine in the second. Zach Levine and Steph Curry wipe out Rudy Gobert. You can run the math on this. Gobert, 5.3 attempts at 62.3%. Steph Curry, 91.5%, 6.3 attempts per ball game. Levine last year, 5 attempts, 85% at the free throw line. Quickly, some weighted averages on those guys. Those three players together, your team is shooting 80.3% at the free throw line altogether. 80.3. It's probably third from the top. So Steph, 
Levine, along with Rudy Gobert, and it, I mean, it doesn't have to be Zach Levine. In fact, there are better options. They're a larger positive. Like Tobias Harris actually is a, a greater positive impact free throw guy. You throw him in there and it clicks up a little bit further. So it's very easy to solve. You're basically only, because you already have Steph on your team at this point, or Dame, or whatever it is that, that, that we're talking about here. And Dame is actually an even bigger positive free throw dude than Steph. So we'll use Curry as our example because he's only the second best in the first round. You only really have to tailor one other pick. One pick total, actually, if you take Rudy with your second or third rounder. Yes, starting with Dame gives you a really good path to first place in free throw percent, but it also, or Steph, gives you a really rough path with Dame to field goal percent or blocks. With Dame certainly on the rebounding side, He's one of the lower rebounding first rounders. In fact, I think he's the lowest of the guys getting drafted in the first this year. It's just numbers. Everybody's like, ah, oh, you can't take him in the second round because he's bad at free throw shooting. You actually can. This is, again, coming from me, Dan, the guy you know as the one who hates punt free throw guys. Even if you're not punting, you can do it. Would I advise doing it like if, if your first round pick was, I don't know, Cat, who's pretty good at foul shooting, but not a powerhouse? No, then you're, then you're actually kind of going down a weird path. But at the same time, you probably don't need him if Cat was your first round pick or if Jokic was your first round pick. You're not at that point targeting a big man. Nikola Jokic does plenty in field goal percent and rebounding. Cat, certainly better in rebounding than field goal percent, but he cert- he handles both to some degree. The Gobert pick in the second or third round is generally if you got a wing or a point guard in the first. And if you got a wing or a point guard in the first, they're probably really freaking good at shooting free throws. KD, maybe even he falls into that discussion. Harden, Steph, Dame, Don't be afraid, guys. This is a very solvable problem, and we solved it with math. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. 17 minutes in, you got 17 minutes of damn fantasy talk before I even said what the name of the show is. You're welcome, people who complain that I did promo at the beginning. You really got what you wanted here. I can't promise we're going to do this all season long, because at some point we're just going to have to like start a show and talk about box scores and so forth. Uh, I'm your host, Dan Vespers. This is a hoopball presentation. You can follow me on Twitter. I would beg you to do so because it's where I make sure people know about the stuff going on at hoopball for me, whatever, at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hoopball is hoop-ball.com. Their hoopball fantasy is the Twitter feed at hoopball fantasy. That's an easy one to figure out. Go get yourself a fantasy pass. Fantasy pass has hoopball's projections right now access to our premium-only Discord channel where you can interact with the HoopBall analysts, myself included. I'm actually in there some of the time, and get one-on-one attention for your fantasy team and your draft, uh, and all season long as well. Discord has turned into a fantastic place to get the type of personalized attention that I don't think almost any other website offers. Fantasy Pass is just $5.99 a month. If you get it now... There is, a, there is a season lock in place because it does also include the Brewski 150, our seminal rank order here at HoopBall. That is included in the Fantasy Pass and will be available to Fantasy Pass subs on October the 9th. Go to hoop-ball.com, click on the Premium tab, and get that now. Come hang out with me in the Discord channel. That's fun. That's a fun place to be. Also, HoopBall Leagues, there's like two spots left in them now, or you end up on a wait list if anybody drops out or if we open up any additional leagues. This is truly last call. Drafts for those start in three and a half days, October the 9th. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com to get in a HoopBall League today. And the recruiting call continues. Multiple team pods are formulating now, as you guys have written into me. We've got writers coming on. We've got blurbers coming up. I mean, this is 
this is awesome, man. The one thing that none of you guys have shown up on is the DFS side. We do really need DFS people here at HoopBall. Multiple sports, if you're interested, as we look to expand. Uh, same story on the the, uh, the pod side as well. So please hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, and we can get you guys situated there. Coming up here in 15 seconds, we'll talk to Mike Catron, host of the Watching the Boxes podcast about his mock draft team and some of the late targets he's eyeballing, as well as just general draft strategy as our era of guests continues on Fantasy NBA Today. I'm going to make the same joke on this pod that I made on your pod, and uh, I'm going to call you Mike Catron just for today. I hope that's okay. Mike, what's up, man? Welcome back to the show. I, I wish I was from and lived in europe that'd be fantastic um <laughs> i wish i uh was near the the beach near the mediterranean eating a nice mediterranean diet um and enjoying my fine fine wines not to be are. huh no i'm in chicago eating uh italian beefs and, <laughs> and some of the best beer you can find in in america though yeah that's true and you guys got uh deep dish pizza so we do, but the real secret is tavern style pizza. What is that? Tell me more about that. Cracker, thin, square slices. Um, you know, on the outskirts of town, you can find a lot of bars that just serve tavern style mm. pizza. It's the pizza that you can eat more than once a year. Oh, without feeling completely ill. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That what sounds all right. That sounds I, okay. Uh, it I is, like of course, uh, Mike Catron. I'm going to, I'll say it right. I, I will say it right. Mike Catron. Uh, he is at Watch the Boxes on Twitter. Follow him now. And we're going to break down a little mock draft and uh, pick a little brain here. So, Mike, you ready to hop in the hot seat? Definitely. I'm, I'm glad someone's doing a roto draft out there. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm an old man. So give me, the, <laughs> give me the old man formats of just compiling numbers. Uh, first of all, before we dive into each pick here, we'll go through them more or less one by one. We might speed through a couple where the answers are going to be relatively obvious. Um, how have you been feeling about fantasy drafts so far? I've been really struggling with late second round for whatever reason. Yeah, the mid late second round ends up being kind of this place where I'm like, I don't, I don't love anybody here. Um, I don't want to reach down for guys that I like truly like, like the uh drew holidays the chris pauls um i don't want to get donovan mitchell in the second round like i don't if you fall out of those like definite second round guys like the jimmy butlers uh sabonis you kind of just end up with a guy that you have to draft instead of somebody you want to draft yeah it's weird there's like six second rounders and 18 third rounders this year yeah i guess they all can't be second rounders or third rounders you have to get them at some point but i have noticed the the bigs going very quickly um there in like the third into the fourth round which ends up dropping some value for like guards uh mm. later in the draft which i like well we will take a look at that here and see how that uh correlates to your fantasy team you had pick number 10 which uh we actually just recorded a segment for your show watching the boxes and I think we both agreed that being in this range has been pretty good this year because you get a good first rounder and a good second rounder or like you have the choice of more than anything. And you ended up with Bradley Beal, who I know we've everybody's sort of doing the tightrope act with Beal these days, uh, but he did just get over COVID. So odds are you're probably only going to get nailed by protocols, if anything. Folks have really moved him down their board and it feels kind of nuts like this this feels like a really safe pick to me at 10 oh yeah i love i love bradley beal i love the fact that there's nobody there really to take the ball from bradley beal anymore it's still gonna be it's gonna be the bradley beal show now granted i'm gonna have a, a few picks that um whose status has changed since i made this pick <laughs> but he bradley beal is not gonna miss half the season no Kyrie lives in a in a city where he will miss all his home games yeah and actually, so, right before you and I started recording, well, a couple hours ago, Andrew Wiggins actually got vaccinated. So that's one off the board there. Um, so really, it's just Kyrie in terms of guys that would be ruled out of games beforehand. Yeah, and I think until you hear something or the NBA comes out with um, you know some sort of statement that's going to put all of it in, in clear text once and for all, I would have pretty much knocked all the guys down maybe 
at the top of the draft, like a half a round, maybe a round for Kyrie since it's like, or, or a couple of rounds since he's going to miss half the season. And then some of the, anybody outside the top 50 who is, uh, you know, might not play, uh, just pawn them off your draft board. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, so Beal's an easy one. Here's an interesting one for nine cat Roto Trey young. Uh, and here I am screwing up my counting. I think this is pick 15 coming back. He had sort of a weird nine cat season last year. Do you see him improving on that? Uh, walk me through Trey young in the second. Cause he feels like someone Taylor made for eight cat. And I just, I don't know. Does he, does his role expand, shrink, stay the same? What I like about Trey Young here is, uh, I, granted, you're going to have to find a way to alleviate the field goal percentage at some point, which I, you obviously can in the coming rounds. But there is no one on the board at all who will get you 10 assists or more. Like, it's going to be Trey. Like, Trey Young is guaranteed to get you that. I, I, I think I'm going to put some money down on him to lead the league in assists, simply because I think Trey Young got a taste of the playoffs he's improving he's young and i do think his role with atlanta is he's the guy like that that's what he's going to be so you look at his overall ranking last season you're gonna go eh, not that great but i think ratings can be very deceiving and um you know i i like some of the guys who came after him like bam and vujovic uh sabonis but i'm wanted to kind of hone in on getting those assists and the uh, the points simply because those aren't going to be available later in the draft. Yeah, you didn't mess around with assists because your third rounder was LeBron James, who I have to imagine will never be available here in a standard, like a regular person draft. But <laughs> this is an expert roto mock, and everybody was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And finally, <laughs> you were like, screw you all. I'm doing it. LeBron well, it has to be done well, at some point right it has to be done at some point yeah he's a terrible pick at 12 but at 34 he's still LeBron James that's exactly where he finished by the way on a per game basis last year at nine cat was 34 and I know there's the Russell Westbrook thing but like I can't I can't follow you yeah it's LeBron James like I'd have, I'd have crushed you if you took him in the second round 19 picks earlier but at 34 I can't really get on your case this is where you really probably should take LeBron yeah, I would certainly never take him in the second round. You would, uh, could happily uh, throw me right off the podcast if I did. Uh, <laughs> but I, I certainly want him uh, more than Zion, more than Christian Wood, um, who, who went before him. It has to be done at some point. And there's guys that you avoid. Like, I avoid LeBron a lot. I avoid Zion a lot. But at some point in your draft, you're looking around, and you're going, well, this guy's really good. I, maybe I don't want to overpay for him. But I don't think I am at this point. And when I look at the rest of my team, Bradley Beal and Trey Young with their with their elite free throws, kind of balances out with LeBron James' elite field goal. So I was like, all right, you got the assist and rebounds from LeBron. You already got the assist from Trey. And my f- field goal percentage and free throw percentage are going to balance out with this. Why not? Your next pick, by the way, I, need, I want to preface what I'm about to say with, I actually really, really like this player this year. And we actually talked about him on... Uh, Saturday's special show with Brandon Marcus as one of his guys that he was hoping to target in drafts as well. And that's Yusuf Nurkic. But I do have to get on your case about 39. His ADP in Yahoo leagues is like 60 something right now. I think he might've gotten back to you. Yeah. I think there was a potential he could have slipped another round, but I didn't really want to take that chance. That's fair. Um, in a, yeah, I think I might have paid full price for him, but like I, I think he could even exceed this value uh, if things went right. His bell curve for success is definitely a little uh, goes a little bit higher than than this ranking. But Nurkic is a not, a really really great roto center. You got the rebounds. The percentages aren't like something you have to like deal with with like Clint Capella, uh, for instance, or even Kristaps uh, who shoots a lot and has a bad field goal percentage i wanted to get a big who had rebounds had blocks and didn't hurt you anywhere and i don't i mean he might have got back to me but i don't think he was all right that's fair i'll let you i'll let you have that you were close enough to the end at pick 10 to where you now you're looking at basically 20 picks between yeah. yourself and yourself and so you do when you're in the front three or the back three in a, in a draft you're you're kind of forced to make some of those tough calls. So as much as we, we've talked about how we like being kind of towards the end of the first round, because the second round gets easy strategy, the rest of the way 
you do have to become a little bit more aggressive, and maybe that's a reason to kind of want like the eighth pick, seventh or eighth pick this year as maybe the 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 better spot. Uh, love this one, JV at fifty eight. I I have nothing but nice things to say about your pick in the at the end of the fifth round. I, people are talking about how far he's going to fall this year, but his fantasy game translates really easily. He doesn't need to play thirty minutes a game to do it. Uh, Zion's foot is hurt already. Like mm-hmm. I don't, but I didn't even care about that. I don't think we knew about that when this draft happened. I still like the pick because, damn it, JV's one of my favorites every freaking year. But listen, you're the guest on this pod, so I should probably stop <laughs> talking about Valanciunas. Uh, anything that I'm missing? Oh, you know what? Here's a good question: to allay the fears of those who might be a bit down on him, why do you feel like he's going to have a, a a big enough role in New Orleans? I would say what's third to be down upon, especially in a roto league, right? The he's going to play very good minutes if not uh around what he did in memphis maybe even a little bit more uh then you have the risk of uh the ongoing risk of zion we don't know what's going on with his foot he does seem to be able to walk so that's super positive uh but they're they need a big they need someone like jonas jonas does spread the floor a little bit for for someone like zion he's his role there is so solid and and centered around what that team's trying to do then you add in the fact that his percentages are are great uh, for a center in a roto league he just does everything uh does nothing really like below average except for his role anyway i guess his assists are below average overall but the blocks and the rebounds are going to be there it's a nice pile on on top of uh, nurkic and there's this run in centers right here that you just don't want to be left out like you don't want to be looking for another big later in this draft uh after jonas there really isn't any bigs that you kind of want at all yeah yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm there with you, and I I noticed that I think forget who I was talking about that that center run that happens every year at a different juncture, and it does seem like that four or five range is where the the big crop of like the last of the really interesting ones, and then there's like a mini run about two and a half rounds later. Yeah. Um, sixth round pick was Gordon Hayward at sixty three. This is another of those ones where. I love this from a roto standpoint because you're now you're getting into the the area where you can take some swings. Hayward, if he stays healthy, crushes this. If he doesn't, probably close to it. I mean, if he gets badly hurt again, which seems to happen every season, but the per game is probably going to beat this number. Uh, yeah, I think I, I, so. Right. I think my if only knock the- on this is the same knock I had on Nurk, which is would he have made it back? Probably not on this one. No, I don't think so, because I think right after this kind of like in the sixth round here, you have a bunch of guys who you can say to yourself, yeah, Gordon Haywood, uh, Draymond Green, who actually I might have you took right after me. I, I did, might yeah. have taken Draymond Green uh, there in retrospect. But uh, a lot of these guys, uh, you can talk yourself into being like a, a top 50 player, the Kyle Lowry's, the uh, Colin Sexton's, where you're like, oh, those guys are pretty those, those guys are kind of good. You really can't talk yourself into like, Mike Connolly being a top 50 player. <laughs> He'll get close maybe if everything falls right, but I, it's not going to. So I just went with like a guy who I know per game is uh, I'm getting a lot of value for and a forward who does everything across the board. Nothing really terrible. Nothing that's going to hurt you once again in a roto league. So I had to fit somebody in there. And like a lot of the guys who went right before him, I liked like DeMar and Pascal Siakam and Mikel Bridges. Um, I think it's perfectly fine yeah. in, the, in this space, and I think he'll over uh, he'll overperform his value. Yeah, you and I were looking at similar players in that uh, in that range there: Demar, JV, Bridges. Yeah. That like, and then they all kept rolling off the board, and, and then you left me Draymond. I was like, phew, okay, well, I got like one of them. One of them hung around long enough. Thank goodness. Yeah, that every one of your picks next to mine, I'm, I kind of look at them like, ah, man, that's the right, that was who I was either looking <laughs> but look at or who safe. I was targeting. Other than that, it was like hyper safe. You knew I was going to go hyper safe when when you were picking right after me. When you were right before me, it was like, well, <laughs> you know, then Straup was on the other side of me, and I'd then uh, he could look at me and think, all right, someone safe is coming off the board here. Like I took McCollum right before before you took yep. JV, but I that like was McCollum. a coin flip of safety. A coin flip of safety. I was gonna be. I was gonna feel good, no matter which way I went. The guy I wanted. Uh, I know I'm going back and not even talking about your team right now. The guy I <laughs> wanted in that round where I got McCollum and you took JV was Collins, who somehow fell to whatever that is, mid fifties. And but yeah, uh, Smith that's got a great him. Grab. Yeah, that was too easy. Um, we gotta up the difficulty level there. 
Uh, seventh round now, Jonathan Isaac. This is the other one you were talking about whose status is a little bit in limbo. Although, you know, beyond just the, the personal choice status stuff, he isn't yet healthy, which is supremely annoying because his injury was a year and two months back, I think, and he's still not quite ready. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if we knew that at the time of this draft, though. No, I don't think so. It's It's been a bit since he's been healthy, and it did sound like he was going to start the season at the time and play in the season at the time, and all those things are now a big, fat question mark. In retrospect, like, I really think Jonathan Isaac can be a top 40 player if he's healthy and he's playing, and he's playing 30-some minutes a game, and there's nobody really in Orlando at all. Um, it, today, I certainly I wouldn't draft jo- Jonathan Isaac at all. I would definitely go looking for your Kevin Porter's, Kimball Walker's, the guys who kind of went right after this, um, or even Miles Bridges, who I, I kind of like taking a swing at. I think he could be really good in Charlotte. And then at the end of my draft, I'd probably start targeting someone like Terrence Ross because if Jonathan Isaac doesn't play, Ross goes score more. Realized that I had my microphone volume down because the baby was screaming in the background. Um, Buddy Heald coming back in the next round. I think this is actually really a sneaky, smart play on Heald. They, they still don't really have a ton of floor spacing options. Um, I know that they tried to trade him repeatedly, but it felt like last year was kind of, at least from a, like a field goal percent standpoint, was kind of as bad as it was going to get. And he still had four threes per game and played 71 out of 72 ball games. So great totals value there. Uh, maybe even threes. I would just yeah. pumping threes, right? Yeah, just pumping threes. Maybe even better head to head than Roto because of how durable he's been. Um, but he's a guy that's that people have completely forgotten about, and uh, I like him as as a actually relatively safe play in here. Yeah, he's really falling in a lot of drafts, and people are taking swings at rookies. Um, who I, you know, I really don't mind the, either one of the Jalen's around here either. I just think if you want to take a swing, go right ahead. I know it's not, uh, the, the credo of the old man squad to take a rookie, but you know, Suggs it interests me a little bit. Uh, and I think I would have taken him in the next round, uh, if you would have felt to me and he almost did, but her buddy heel plays the minutes are there and he does something elite. And at this point, if you can get someone who does something elite like threes, which is hard to find at an elite status same with points hard to find elite status at this stage of the draft um i, I just kind of think it's an opener he, he fits right in the utility spot yeah uh i think he shoots better this year too felt like that was sort of a bottoming out point for him uh sadiq bay in the ninth this is a nice one too uh although boy your team got real good in three pointers real quick <laughs> oh yeah i was uh, i think i was a little struggling there with three pointers um with kind of the mid uh early mid rounds and i was just like ah well, these guys are falling. Here's some three-pointers. <laughs> Once again, a guy who has a little bit of upside. I don't know if he ever really pans out, but he's also – he doesn't totally hurt you anywhere. He does some – he does okay things across the board, and I'm willing to take the shot on him. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I like that one. And he's relatively young, uh, but not a rookie, so I've actually heard of him. Evan Mobley, a rookie. I, yes. You know, and, I feel like I should keep the game going, and I can just say I, I, I've i never heard of him. What does he do? Uh, so what do you think the arc is for, on Mobley and Cleveland? Because I, I get the feeling that Jared Allen, Markinen, guys like that, maybe even a Coro sliding up a little bit might be pulling a lot of those larger player minutes. But like with a lot of rookies, you probably expect his role to grow over the course of a season because that Cavs team is still not very good. Yeah, this is more of a value play, right? So, I mean, the only time you would take him if you thought it was Katino Mobley, I assume, but <laughs> I made I, that, think... I, I actually did make that joke in our, was that on the Twitter thread when I was doing the live, the live tweeting oh, of our I, draft? I think so. Yeah, I loved it. And I don't know if anybody chuckled, but at least I know you liked it. So that's oh, good did. enough. <laughs> I, I, I know my Katinos. The, uh, this Mobley though has value overall, right? People love rookies. People like, I think this is something sometimes people are so caught up in, uh, per game value and if they're going to play, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes, especially this late in the draft, look around. Are there any like kind of fun, great names still out there? No, not really. People like rookies. People like Evan Mobley. And I also think centers are, as rookies do a little bit, uh, can do, if they're going to pop off, they will pop off. Um, and the Cleveland, as you were asking, the Cleveland rotation is going to be really weird. Like Jared Allen is... Um, 
pretty good at basketball. Larry Marketing can spread the floor out. He can he can play um, starters minutes if that is what Cleveland is going to do. But they're a young team who needs to invest in young players, and I think Mobley will kind of rise to the top at some point in the season. Whether he does or not, the value of having Mobley on my team allows me to use him as trade bait in other forms like in other forms of of trades during the season right so sometimes i draft a guy who i just know i can move and i think i could move evan mobley in in the season because that's really the trades are really where the season's won i like that i like that a lot actually i think we may need to have a follow-up episode where we dive a little bit into trade strategy your 11th round pick happens to be a guy i know very well the thatitude uh, oh, yeah. or Thadrick Johnson. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What did you call him on Twitter? Thadrick Johnson. Yeah, Thadrick um, Johnson. We didn't even really know that he was on the Spurs for like a week. They, they had just hadn't sure even... I'm the Spurs know he's on the Spurs right now. <laughs> but I, I don't... So this is what I'm, I'm torn on. I feel like he would probably go undrafted in a lot of leagues, but then he was freaking awesome in only 24, 25 minutes a game for your Chicago Bulls. What I don't... I don't know what the Spurs want to do with him. It's really hard to tell what the plan is with Thaddeus Young right now. Yeah, I have no, I actually have no idea. And if that Young goes undrafted in your league, fine. Yeah, like that seems actually fairly reasonable since it doesn't, I don't know if he's going to play for the Spurs at all. But uh, out of respect for Thadjik, I <laughs> his per game value is really nice. It has been for years. Yep. As even when he was in uh, in Indiana, right? Like his his per minute value is in limited minutes. He's going to be valuable. The best case scenario is the Spurs are like, hey, we need someone to play here. Play thirty some minutes. Yeah. Oh crap! This go, guy is a go run point. Player. Go run point forward. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be fantastic. Probably not going to happen, but it's in like the scheme of reality. Um, worst case scenario is he moves to a team, uh, another team, and he plays limited minutes enough to be somewhat valuable with steals, rebounds, um, and I guess, you know, whatever else he does, which I, I think of the occasional three, or I drop him. It's yep. my section of the last pick. Yeah. Yeah. Screw it. Screw it. I love it. That's the screw it zone. Um, your last pick was Clay Thompson, which I'm glad you did. Not because like we need to talk about when he's coming back. Cause it sounds like late December, early January, but really to just give me the opportunity to ask you that, you know, in a normal draft, is this where you would stash Clay 12th round? Would you go sooner or later? I find it really hard to start a season with an injured player at all. So uh, just curious on your thoughts strategically here with Clay. Not even, again, so much this draft, but just in general. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a last pick pickup for me just because chances are you have an IR. Dump him in the IR, see what happens. Um, I don't think... Clay is going to be back very quickly, and I don't think they're going to – they're not going to rush him back. They're not going to play him 30 minutes on game one. Uh, so it is more of a uh, kind of a value stash where eventually Clay Thompson is someone who is valuable enough to do something for you or do something for somebody else. So once again, kind of seeing like, hey, this does this person have value in the league in general versus, um, you know, I don't know, taking a shot on Daniela Gallinari, who I know – who he is, um, Larry Marketing, who like maybe Boomer Bust right there. I, I don't want Zubach. Like, so you're no. looking at this last round, and there's a lot of weird question marks. And I either you take a swing at someone fun, like uh, a Josh Giddy uh, or uh, Killian Hayes, or you just go with value and play something has value. Who didn't you get? in this draft, uh, particularly in the later rounds, but really anywhere, I guess. I know this is a tough open-ended question, but who were you looking at where you were like, ah, damn it. Uh, I mean, I wanted Kelly Olenek to fall. <laughs> you and I both like Kelly. I like, like Kelly Olenek a lot. Um, I think it would have been nice uh, to have Daniel Gafford much later than he went. I, I like the idea of getting someone very late who's going to have like a, a clear runway for the first like month to do whatever they want. Once again, it's another value pick. Like you're saying, that guy's going to be out of control for a, a month. And that means something. Like yeah. you get those per game starts in there. And let's say you can't even trade him like someone, you can't fool anybody in your league because everybody's kind of paying attention. They're like he's not going to be worth anything once everybody, once Thomas Bryant's healthy. It's like, all right, cool. Well, I just got a bunch of blocks in the first month. Uh, and now I'll drop him because he's not playing anymore. 
Oh, well, like, so I, I like those guys kind of later in the draft. Uh, I think Tyrese Maxey was a nice little pick there. I, I, I kind of would have liked for, uh, like, I don't know, I guess I could have taken him, but I would have liked to take him in the, in, in, later than, uh, than the next to last round. I, I think he's got a, a much more, and this was before the Simmons announcement, but like yeah. he's got a much more role, bigger role to play. And I, I like taking chances on the guys with minutes to be played. Yep. Uh, I don't disagree with you. You know, I'm, I love me some Kelly Olenek. I, Daniel Gafford is another one of those ones where, uh, and I, I've talked about it on this podcast a number of times, how a guy like an OG Ananobi was someone that I was like married to in May when mm-hmm. last season ended. I thought this, this is going to be my guy next year because nobody cares about efficient three and D guys making a step forward. And then it turns out everybody freaking cared about OG and his value has yep. been pushed to the brink. And then Gafford is actually relatively similar there. Everybody, more people apparently were paying attention to the last six days, weeks, I don't know what, two and a half weeks of Wizards basketball last year than I realized. Cause yeah, Gafford's going like around a hundred in a lot of drafts this year, 100, 110. And yeah, head to head. I'm shocked. I'm shocked, by shocked. By Isn't it crazy? Head to head, he'll go later because people don't want to have to abandon ship on a guy that after two months or whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, Roto just collects stuff with him as long as it lasts. And then if you have to cast him off into the ocean, fine. What if there's a setback? What if Bryant doesn't get healthy quickly? What if he, they, you know, ramp him up slowly? What if it's a timeshare like 27 and 21? We saw Gafford do it in 17 minutes at the end of last year. So absolutely. Yeah, that one's. Uh, a strong start with some wiggle room. Uh, I love it as a as an option. And then, uh, yeah, Maxi again. Like you can't kick yourself because we didn't know Ben Simmons wasn't even going to report. Yeah. When, when we had guys don't draft. go under the radar anymore though. Like, no, what know. the hell happened? This is why no. I want to get rid of the term sleeper because no one's asleep anymore. We all no. know everything. Everybody's paying attention. Everybody's listening to the podcast. Uh, Jason Tate's going in these drafts. Nicholas Claxton's going in these drafts. No one is going unseen. That was me, by the way. I have Tate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, it is all out there. This is why I do wonder. Like, I signed myself up sort of anonymously for a Yahoo Pro League this year just to see. Nine Cat Roto. Just a $50 a league. Idea. Nothing crazy. I wanted mostly just to see the draft. Because mock drafts don't tell you everything. People give up. People don't show up. I want to do, I'm doing a regular Yahoo Pro League for a relatively small buy-in and just see, like, can I get these guys in that draft or is it going to be like this expert draft where it's like, you know, bleep, this guy's gone again. This guy's gone. Like, there weren't many values left by the end of the eighth or ninth round in this. And now, like, you need 10 starters. Norman Powell <laughs> at, a, at a correct spot is very confusing. Even PJ Washington where I'm like, these guys usually go out of the top 100. Who's? Why are these people paying attention already? Yep. This is the other yeah. problem, I guess, with doing an all-expert mock draft is that it does tend to... Guys do tend to go a little bit early on average. Uh, sometimes, like, there's a guy down the board that we all forgot to scroll down far enough to find, but for the most part... And that's why I think it's cool to, like, have mocks from one particular website, so, like this one that has from all across the board... Uh, getting in and just watching like a regular person mock is actually really mm-hmm. instructive. You you do kind of need to pull all that stuff together to understand what a player's ADP actually means. Are they getting drafted at 15 every time or are they getting drafted at 10 half the time and 19 half of the time or something like that? Uh, so it's and, uh, there's a lot to, to pull together here running up to draft day. Well, it's going to dictate your, your reaching, right? So if you know if you start a draft and there's these guys going a little bit early, um, then, you know, like later in the draft, you are going to have to reach down and grab Jalen Suggs or Norman Powell to fill out your team. Don't, don't think they're going to fall. Uh, and you're going to grab them with one of your next to last picks and be like, haha, I just got a top 100 guy with one of my next to last picks. If people know what they're doing, you're, that's not going to happen. I will sue. I'll report back and find out if people all know yeah, what they're doing. Let or me if, know. Or if we've insulated know. ourselves with too many damn smart people. Uh, Mike, thanks, my man. You're out of the hot seat. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> he is at Watch the Boxes on Twitter. Mike Katrin. I know. It feels, I feel like I got myself all excited. I, and I'll, I'll refer to myself as Dan Bibri for any time we do shows together as well. Uh, he is Mike Katrin. He is the host of the Watching the Boxes podcast. He is outstanding. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thank you to Mike, as always. Kind of pissed that I didn't figure out how to get him on the show last year. It was just hard. Scheduling was tough last year. We'll talk to him again soon, I'm sure. Mike Catron, check out his show. I was on it, actually, earlier this week, watching the boxes. Available everywhere podcasts are found. Again, quick reminder, please subscribe to the show. Need it. Need it bad. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespers or just Google Dan from Hoopball. That's an easy way to find my Twitter feed. And go get something from our buddies at Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. Use promo code Hoopball20 to get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you use over there. It also lets them know who sent you, which is big because we want to keep them around all season so we can keep getting this discount. And they are kind enough to send us swag. I've used the Lawnmower 4.0. It's awesome. You can turn the light on and off, which is actually really helpful because in the Lawnmower 3, the light was really nice, except for weird spots where, like, if you got into a shadow, the light made it really hard to see the edge you were working on if you're, like, trying to set an edge on your beard. But this one, you just flip it off at that point. Then you can see the edge. Then you flip the light back on, and you take care of all the hairs below the line that you're trimming. Very clean neck these days, which is good because during the pandemic... It wasn't. Manscaped.com, promo code HOOPBALL20. Get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Good stuff over there. Also got some cheaper things if you don't want the full lawnmower package. They got the uh, ear and nose hair trimmer. They got a luxury nail kit. Boxers, some swag floating around. Powders, lotions, all that good stuff. Check them out. Post haste. Thanks so much. And that'll be your show for this uh, fine Tuesday, October the 5th. Two weeks from the start of the NBA season. Back tomorrow, more guests. I believe tomorrow's guest is going to be Mike Barner. Well, we got to see where all these pod hits line up. You will hear from him at some point in the next couple of days. Uh, just so many cool things. My, my greatest issue right now is scheduling. How do I fit everything in? I will say this, by the way, before we sign off, and you can probably hear the music start to fade in. If you want to talk Rudy Gobert, hit me up, man. I'm happy to walk it through on Twitter. I don't know how I'm ending up as the Rudy Gobert guy this year, but if he stays healthy, he just smokes his ADP near 30. I know you guys hate the the free throw stuff, but I'll end the show the way I started it, which is saying it's so easy to work through it. Dude was number seven by totals last year. Seven. You could have gotten Gobert in the second, Chris Paul in the third, uh, and like Dame in the first if you had a mid-round pick and you would have the three, five, and seven ranked guys last season. Tough to lose with that going on, especially if you had Mikel Bridges last year. Got him at like 65 and he was number 11. Okay, have a great night, everybody. Follow me on Twitter. We'll talk more over there. We can talk Rudy. I don't care. We'll talk about something else. Good luck in your draft if you have one tonight. If not, I'll say it again tomorrow. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.